Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am once again honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. The Business Creators Radio Show goes where you go to have those mastermind moments, those inspirational incidences, those things that come up you weren't expecting, where you meet somebody who influences you in a way that you weren't expecting that could possibly change the trajectory of your business and life. Sometimes you hear birds chirping or cars driving by or ambient noise from the next table. And the Business Creators Radio Show following me on my laptop lifestyle journey takes you to those places so you may occasionally hear these things right now we are broadcasting to you from my high-tech studio and my sumptuous balcony here in beautiful las vegas nevada known to some at least me as the hottest city in america and today we are going to dive into how consumers are searching for and evaluating local businesses we've touched on this topic in a few of our other conversations. I address it in my book, Groundhog Days, an event, not a business strategy. But we have somebody here who actually works directly within this industry, who works with local businesses in terms of their connections and their conversations with their consumers. Our guest today, Laura Nelson, has marketed, sold to, and collaborated with local businesses for over 10 years of her career as a marketer and business manager. Following progressive roles with Broadly, Reputation.com, and Patch, she is currently VP of Marketing at Signpost, which is based in Denver. Like me, she has an MBA. Hers is from the University of Michigan, uh, where she focused on strategy and marketing, and she also has a BFA from or at Carnegie Mellon University. In her free time, she enjoys doing things that I don't, skiing, traveling, and art. My idea of skiing and traveling involves sitting, and my idea of art involves reading. So we love to bring different ideas together. Laura Nelson, come on in. The weather's fine. Hi. How are you? Thanks for having me, Adam. Yeah, we're a zany, crazy bunch, let me tell you. Now, before we dive into some of the insights you have, and I know that there are a few things you specifically requested that we cover during our green room conversation, I read off your official bio. Candidly, all comments aside, it's so impressive. I'm not sure I'm worthy to be here, and this is my show. So tell us a bit in your own words about your journey and what's brought you to where you are, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion? Sure. Um, I'm actually uh, a product of entrepreneurs. My parents were publishing entrepreneurs who 
um, not only put out a couple travel books um, in Chicagoland and in the Midwest when I was growing up, but also started a monthly publication. Like one of those that um, comes to your house, like we delivered to single family homes, but also one that you would pick up at a retail location. They had distribution in a couple hundred retail locations. But I would bring that up because um, not only were they entrepreneurs, but their publication was sponsored by over 100 local advertisers every month. So they did this for a long time and you know, supported themselves and the family. And um, it is through that experience that I first came to work with local business owners, understand them, um, you know, help to tell their stories through their advertisements, through our publication and through our content, of course, and um, build a career from there. Absolutely. That sounds like a ton of fun. Now, let's begin with a broad question here, and then we're going to bring it in as we go along. Local businesses, I've said, been saying for many years that as soon as you go into business, essentially you're a global business. Somebody can find your business online, you're global. But realistically, a local business can best appeal to a local clientele. So what should local businesses do to build, whether you call it that word of mouth or that vibe, and market their business to attract more customers? I know extremely broad, and we're going to bring it in as we go along. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the question on whether a business should be and remain local versus go global, all of course depends on what products or services they are selling. Um, you know, some yeah. services don't have global reach and that's fine. Uh, a lot of businesses that just operate in local communities are very successful. And I would wager that that's the majority of your listeners here today. Um, right. so you asked, you know, what should local businesses do to grow word of mouth? Well, first of all, of course, they have to do great work or deliver a great product, depending on the nature of the business. Um, there's no getting around the fact that you, what you do has to be of high quality and solve people's problems or needs. So of course that is step one. Um, step two is getting systematic. If we're honing in specifically on this idea of word of mouth, uh, most people may think of it as a conversation between neighbors right over the fence or from friend to friend on a great experience they had at a restaurant or um, a great interaction they had with a home service professional. You know, we are used to those conversations happening organically if someone does a great job or delivers a great product and you know people will tell one another when it comes up in conversation. However, um, in the last few decades, things have changed with the internet and word of mouth has moved online. And the opportunity there for businesses is that they can play a more proactive role in helping to spread that good work online. People are going to still, of course, have conversations in communities, but when you take ownership of your business's presence on other sites, like I'm talking about Google and Yelp and Facebook, et cetera, 
Um, you start to proactively insert yourself as a business owner in the conversation, and you can invite your happy customers to talk about you there, where instead of having you know one person talk to another, that one-to-one conversation, that great experience can be bet by hundreds or thousands of eyeballs in your local community. So in other words, technology can be really a, a force multiplier in spreading that word of mouth, but you know, business has to play a proactive role in ensuring that happens. Can it destroy a business too? What was that? Can it destroy a business too? Is I, You were breaking up there. Can, um, it, can it destroy a business too? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, yeah, poor reputation or negative word of mouth online can absolutely destroy a business. And you, know, you see that all the time. If, you know, someone is a bad actor, right? Like if they're not doing a good job, if they're ripping off customers, or if they do something else in their community that uh, is disliked, um, people will go on and um, write something negative about the business. So it is a double-edged sword. Absolutely. Yeah. I was just, I was wondering because I think we occasionally run into local businesses. We would kind of like to destroy candidly. I'm taking a little bit, uh, our listeners may hear this and think this is a bit contrarian, but have you ever run into a business that just was so awful or that gave you such a poor experience when you tried to resolve it? They just exacerbated the whole issue by their either lack of response or the nature of their response. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to why I said like first things first, you've got to be a good business, right? You've got to treat your customers well. Because chances are, if you are not a good business, you're not taking that feedback from customers, um, you're not going to stick around. You know, the failure rate of businesses is quite high. So, um, you know, there are consequences for operating in that way. Yeah, I, I would say so. I may come back to a story that I have about this as we go along, but I'd like to dive a little bit deeper here and get your thoughts on how consumers are actually searching for and evaluating local businesses. And what, as a part two of that question, are some of the most important criteria that business owners need to know as far as this goes? Yeah. So we talked, there's a few ways that people are going to look for a business. And, you know, we're all consumers. So this should all be familiar to us, you know, as we evaluate the options out there, right? So we might have that conversation with a friend or neighbor. Hey, I'm, I'm looking for someone to uh, paint a room in my house as just an example. Who did you hire for your project last year? Did they do a good job? If there's a personal or a favorable recommendation, you know, I may Google that business and learn more. And that's one way that people will find a business name, start their process. Another way is that we simply have a need and open up Google Maps or just the plain Google search engine and look for a business in that category. So for example, I need a painter. I look up painter. I'm based in Lafayette, Colorado. So painter Lafayette, Colorado, and look at my options there. 
This is uh, kind of what we call a category search in industry parlance. But either way, uh, the majority of people are going online to learn more about a business, right? They need to figure out how to get in touch with this business. And they want to figure out if this is the right person to solve their problem. So in the case of, say, the painter in my example here, I'm going to look up photos of their work. I'm going to check out the website. I'm going to see, you know, what their what kind of work they do, what services they offer. I'm going to importantly look at their service area. I'm going to read their reviews. And on average, people need to read about 10 reviews to form an opinion about a business. So it's not just enough to look at the star rating or to read a couple reviews. Like, you know, my eyes can scan pretty, pretty quickly down the page as can most people's and, and pick up those keywords that reviewers are um, using to refer to that business. So that really is like a high level overview of like what that initial search and evaluation looks like. And for the businesses that aren't investing in the bare minimum, say claiming their Google business profile, uh, this used to be called Google My Business, by the way, but they've updated the name as Google likes to do. You know, if they're not taking charge of that free real estate across Google, Facebook, and other places, they're missing out on an opportunity to show up well online, right? If you know someone makes that recommendation to me, I can't find a listing. I can't find many reviews. I start to doubt the legitimacy of that recommendation. Or if I see bad reviews, I'm going to start shopping around at other options because I don't want a 3.2 star painter in my house. Yeah. <laughs> I, I see what you mean. Now, in my assessment of this, if I see a business that has like all perfect reviews, like if let's say it's a five-star rating, they have five out of five, or even more dramatically, if it's a 10-star rating and they have 10 out of 10 and every single one of their 251 reviews is glowing, then I don't believe it. I don't believe that any business is perfect. I'm looking for, let's use the one to 10 rating. I'm looking for the business that has maybe about a 9.1 or 9.2, or if it's a one to five rating, about a 4.2 or 4.3. Because I want to know three things. I want to know that they're a real business that has actually screwed up before. I want to know how they screwed up. And I want to know what they did to make the situation right. Mm -hmm. The reason being is very simple. What if I'm one of those, what if I become their customer and I'm one of the statistical ones where things don't go exactly as planned? Mm-hmm. Oh, that is a very fair point. Um, I guess I'll start with like most of the popular, the most popular incredible rating systems are using one to five. I'm referring to Google, Yelp, Facebook, et cetera. That's where all the eyeballs are. So if I'm looking at a one to 10 scale, it, it may not have the critical mass that I need to form a trustworthy opinion of that business. But I think you're onto something here. Right. And that is um, the more reviews that a business has, uh, likely the more customers that it has, the more 
difficult it is to maintain that five-star review. Um, there definitely is something kind of fishy about a business that ha- would have 700 reviews, five stars, and mo- no mistakes. That pretty much is unheard of, right? So right. You, to your point, I'm the same way, and this is the majority of consumers as well, that they're looking for those responses. They're reading not only the recent ones, but they're looking at the unhappy customers and how the business has interacted with that feedback and what they do from there. I've worked with plenty of businesses in my career who tell me that how they responded to negative reviews has helped them get new customers and that those people mention that in their initial call. Hey, I called you. Because of how you handled this customer online, and that was important to me, and it showed how you care about your customers. Oh, you mean so actually like reaching out and attempting to resolve the situation. Now, I understand you're going to get some trolls, you're going to get some people who Uh do nothing but want to argue. And there are, and I want to get your thoughts on this as well, ways to, first of all, bifurcate people who just have a gripe, it's a legitimate gripe, and they're reaching out because they're frustrated and they actually want to solve this versus the type who are either just trolls or who will never be your customer or never be your customer again and just want to bitch. Yeah. So, <laughs> so first of all, what would you say in terms of how to bifurcate the two things? And I'm just curious about your approach for shutting down trolls. Yeah, I mean that our our listeners eat this up. I, I, <laughs> I it's like of all the things we've covered in our over 500 episodes over the past almost 10 years, this is the thing that we keep getting feedback on. So please. Oh, absolutely. This happens to everyone. If you are not getting trolled online or the occasional unhappy prospect person customer, you name it, uh you're not trying hard enough, right? This happens to everyone. This happens to us. So it is just a rite of passage. I'll get that out of the way. But also to your point, like there are ways to bifurcate and intelligently move through these responses. So say, for example, like this happens a lot where someone you've never heard of before, you've never done business with, (laughs) has left feedback or a poor rating Um, there is a template approach to go about responding to that review. And, you know, I, first off, I recommend that everyone responds to every review they get. Don't just respond to the positive ones. Don't just respond to the negative ones. You have to respond to everything out there. So that's, that's the first thought. But second is how to bifurcate or how to intelligently work through what you've got. First, starting with the unknown customer prospect, right? It could be someone who chose not to do business with you and didn't like being on hold on the phone, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> be someone who you know got a bid, went with your competitor, whatever the case may be. It can be former employees, all sorts of things. In the first step there, I would recommend is to report the review. Um, a lot of the platforms have this process where you can flag it and follow the steps to reach the moderators of these platforms. 
Um, this is not always successful in removing the review, but um, it can work from time to time. So if you have a case that you know, this is not reflective of a true customer experience, use it. Yeah. Beyond that, there is the response. Like you do have to leave a response in the meantime because it does take these platforms a while to get a human to look at it and to uh, respond to your request. So in that case, what I recommend is, you know, acknowledge that reviewer. Hey, Mr. So-and-so, I'm sorry you had a bad experience. Then follow it up with something acknowledging your business relationship or lack thereof. I looked in our customer database. We could not find a customer with your name. However, we'd like to make things right with you. Please give us a call at our number or email us at this address. And let's talk through ways that we can resolve this situation. Something to that effect, right? Oh, oh, you mean so... Actually, and I hate to inter- interject here, but I am going okay. somewhere with this. It's this this uh, conversation is about to take a really loopy turn that's going to be entertaining, I promise you. Uh, but you mean that actually one of the screening tools is to attempt to treat the review seriously and respond to the person and see if they play into a potential resolution versus just want to complain further? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And the reason for that is because of all the other eyeballs on your profile, think about it. The prospective customers who are reading your reviews, they don't know anything about this person. It could well be someone who worked with you. They don't know that from the outset. So what you can do with a response like that is provide context and yes, show that you care. Like these reviews, this feedback, this element of customer satisfaction is really important to you and your business. Right. Okay. So let's say that somebody goes to a, goes to a, a restaurant and they're there for a, an event that has about 15 or 20 people. They're uh-huh. seated, they're seated at the table with seven people. Let's say that this guy is, um, He's about uh, 42 years old, lives in Las Vegas, five foot 10, uh, likes cats. Okay. And at this event, he uh, is seated at a table with four women. The server comes around and takes and gives all the women menus, takes their orders and essentially peacocks for them. And this, this gentleman is sitting at this table. He has not been acknowledged. He's even raised his hand and said, uh, sir, sir. And after the fourth time he asks for a menu, the server takes the menu, flings it at him, hits him in the arm with it and says, there's your menu. Oh, my God. This gentleman attempts to speak with the organizer event, the organizer of the event, who says, well, you've got to understand, the server might have a bad day. You've got to leave him a tip. No. Uh, this... Then this, uh, this person who got hit in the arm by a menu that he asked for four times uh, attempts to speak with a manager who set, tells him, oh, we don't have time for you. This person has now made three attempts to resolve the situation. Mm-hmm. So he takes to Yelp and explains the situation. Mm-hmm. 36 hours later, he gets a call from 
the person who organized the event that he was attending at this restaurant saying that the management of the place saw my Yelp review and it informed him and another person they figured out that I knew because they stalked me on social media that if I didn't take my review down, they were going to take it out on my friends, forbid them from having events here anymore, ban them from the establishment and possibly go after them for failing to control me. Oh my God. Yeah. And for these and other reasons, I will never patronize Tommy Bahama restaurant again anywhere for the rest of my life. I don't blame you. I'm still talking about this four years later. <laughs> you, know, you, you, know, you know how they could have solved this one? Well, A, not throw a menu at me uh, because the guy wanted to show off for some ladies who, by the way, thought he was a loudish pig and they told me so. Number two, uh, maybe not just automatically take the side of the server without getting the whole situation when I attempt to report an issue calmly. Third, uh-huh. if you're the manager of the establishment and the paying customer has an issue, you have time for them. Uh, four, uh, don't stalk people and find people they know and threaten those other people as a way of getting to you. Those are four things you don't do. The one thing you can do is go to that review on Yelp and say, oh, goodness, I'm so sorry to hear this. Uh, would you be willing to come back and let us show you a five-star experience? Mm-hmm. That's all it would take. That's all it would have taken. I wouldn't have been... I, I, I didn't even need a discount. I just needed some acknowledgement. Hell, I would have gone back just to just, just for laughs mainly. Uh, okay. But if they but if they did show me a five star experience, or they did show me that my that what happened there was anomalous to their brand and their reputation, I could have become a fan of their brand. Instead, now I'm still talking about it four years later. Yeah, that is really amazing that they chose. And what's, to and what's funny is you look at the, what's funny is you look at their reviews and they're suspiciously high. Huh. Well, I'm sorry that happened to you. <laughs> it, it sounds like I, fi- I find it hilarious. I, I mean, I find it hilarious. Uh, I mean, like I'm uh, like like I'm pulling up the. Um, the actual location where this happened right now. And it's showing as of this recording, a, what is the rating that we're getting here? It looks like we are getting a 4.8 out of five with 212 reviews. I just don't believe that. Right. I don't believe any establishment, including Restaurants and other places I do go to regularly don't have ratings that good. And these are excellent places. It is really difficult in the restaurant world to attain and maintain a rating that high. Try, uh, be, try being in rental real estate like apartments yeah. uh, on, on a one to five rating scale. Anything above like a 2.4 is considered good. Yeah. Yeah. That's another segment that I used to work with. And yeah. Um, you know, for that reason, they needed, you know, proactive help in bringing up very low ratings because, you know, people, there are so many points of failure in these industries, uh, specifically, you know, restaurants and property management and just a single point of failure. And obviously this example at Tommy Bahama had many. <laughs> yeah. But if there are just 
smaller or singular points of failure, people remember that and they, you know, they take up much more importance in people's minds. And that's what tends to drive the narrative. That's what happened here. Again, all they had to say is, wow, that doesn't sound like us at all. Would you come back and let us show you a five-star experience? Mm-hmm. That, that, that's not hard to do. So here's another, here's another thing that happened, and I couldn't believe that this happened to me. I had a laptop for several years, and, if, and the key started falling off the keyboard. It was beyond yeah. its warranty, and I looked into what it takes to re- repair a keyboard, and I decided, nah, I ain't doing that. So I went to this local repair shop, and the guy who owned it refused to fix my keyboard. Huh. The re- I couldn't believe it. I went and, uh, and then what I ended up doing is I ended up going to another repair shop, got a second opinion. I spoke with a friend of mine who lived across the country who dealt in computer repair. And son of a gun, wouldn't you know it? The guy at the first shop was absolutely right. If I'd have bought that $17 keyboard and tried to install it the way that Amazon listing said I should, I might have destroyed my laptop. Turns out that my laptop was known as a it's known as a bottom loader, meaning that in order to repair the keyboard, you have to take the whole thing apart. And I wasn't I wasn't going that far. I thought that all I was going to need to do is uh, take off the top shell and drop in a cluster of keys. I didn't know I was going to have to dismantle the thing. So this guy, this computer shop, had the nerve to to actually place the order for the parts computer, you know, same make and model as mine, they found a parts computer without charging me an initial holding deposit first. And then he had the temerity to fix it, make it like brand new. Uh-huh. That's actually, I believe, I'd have to look it up, but I believe the title of my review is, uh, is John Wouldn't Fix My Laptop. You absolutely need to bring your laptop here. Some something like that. I think I was a little more clever with it. Yeah. Uh, but the but the what I was saying is that this guy showed so much concern for me as a customer mm-hmm. that he wouldn't let me make a silly mistake just to just to earn a couple bucks off me, or wouldn't let me walk down a rabbit hole so he could charge me more to get me out of it later. Got it. Yeah, that's a great experience. And, you know, all of that, that care and effort is what underlies you know, the end result or your end feedback. Right? right. And so that's, that's another thing that businesses these days need to be cognizant of is like, what are the touch points they have with customers? What, how do they guide them? Uh-huh. Whether, you know, this guy could work with you or not, right? Do they have recommendations are they useful in some way are they nice to people they don't even work with right? uh, yeah are they are they nice people yeah uh, so i'm going to give a shout out to tlc computer solutions right here in las vegas nevada i believe they have two possibly three locations that's where that dastardly john worked to what fix my keyboard yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that happened uh, going on five and a half years ago, and I'm still talking about that one. I thought that the experience was so exceptionally good that I can't help but keep sharing it. I even took the time to look up in my notes the name of the store because I couldn't remember it off the top of my head. Oh, that's awesome. 
Yeah, but, just so I could share it on this episode. Yeah. And they're absolutely. still there. They're still there. It looks like they still have their two locations. Yep. Yep. Uh-huh. And there's still a solution for all your technology needs. Okay. Let's see how they're uh, let's see how they're doing on Yelp. Uh 96 reviews. And what is the rating? I can't quite tell because of the way they display this. Um, it looks like about a 4.6 on a five scale. Pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's believable for a repair shop. Absolutely. And, we're, and I also rated them on Google reviews. How are they doing there? It looks like uh, 206 reviews or 266 google reviews i see mine is still there and it's a five star oh 4.8 out of 266 that's great yep and yep there it is there it is uh, after researching a replacement keyboard i took my laptop and ebay ad for the keyboard to tlc john and his team refused to replace a keyboard and wouldn't order the part i showed them turns out they were right <laughs> yeah so there's some fun you can have with this stuff. And I, we just discussed two extreme, I think, examples of how to handle something and not to handle something. So going beyond this whole review thing, what do you see are some of the newer trends in local marketing as we go into 2022? I can't imagine that there actually are anything any more trends or anything else we can discover, but I think you're about to surprise me. Uh, well, if you can believe it, uh, we're almost halfway through yeah. 2022, which is crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah, May just disappeared on me like it wasn't here. I got it. Seriously, what happened? Yeah. Um, so you, I mentioned earlier that reviews are just a reflection of that underlying experience. And... I would encourage entrepreneurs of all kinds to think about what that experience is that they're delivering. So one of the big buzzwords you hear a lot is, is customer experience. That means a lot of different things to a lot of different people and types of business owners. But if you think about it this way, um, you know, I'll give you a few examples where, you know, consumers are demanding service and uh, responsiveness in ways that they hadn't previously. This is driven by big companies like Amazon, Netflix, DoorDash, you name it. Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) It is so easy to get something ordered and delivered from Amazon, right? We don't even... Uh (laughs) We don't even second guess it. Uh, whereas like they are often things we could probably drive some distance in our communities to get, um, we are addicted to that convenience. However, um, this isn't just for the Amazons of the world. You don't need to build a big supply chain system or technology infrastructure. You just have to make things easier for your customers to interact And what I mean by that is just challenge some of the ways that 
a customer can walk through your front door, whether you have a brick and mortar location or um, you know, we're talking about your digital front door. Mm-hmm. Um, we at Signpost, we work with businesses of all types. We focus on contractors. Um, we have found that this market has specific and great needs for technology. And I hear from contractors all the time who say, you know, I, I do all my business through the phone. People call me and that's, that's how it works. When in reality, that's the only option that he's giving homeowners <laughs> to get in touch. And unfortunately for many of us, like phone is not a viable or desirable option, you know, especially yeah. because like we're busy during the day. Um, phone calls take a lot of time. If you think about their process, there's a lot of friction in it. If I have a need at home, referring back to that painting example, there's little to no chance I'm going to call up three contractors and have that same conversation a bunch of times. Uh huh. It's a waste of time, right? For me and for customers like me, we're, we're not going to take that time. We are looking for convenience. We are looking for the business that makes it easiest for us to work with them. And so when I see options that have cleared my first hurdle, right, they have great reviews, they seem trustworthy, they seem like they do great work, um, they have an established online presence, I'm looking for other ways to get in touch. It could be a web form, but more likely it's going to be web chat or a text number or a um, an online booker, if they can make it easy for me to book an estimate and to have that initial conversation or that initial walkthrough estimate, then they're more likely to win my business. You know, as this modern consumer who is short on time and impatient and wanting to do other things, um, that's what I would encourage local business owners to think about is, you know, how do you make it easier for people to walk in your door, to take out the friction and um, to want to work with you more quickly? Yeah. I think what we see with this instant gratification stuff and candidly, I find it disappointing a lot of times, particularly ordering from Amazon. I, have had some mixed experiences dealing with them. Uh-huh. Uh, what, hap- what happens with some of these companies that try and do same-day shipping and same-day delivery is they work with companies that do, in my estimation, a shoddy job of doing the delivery. And then you lose the whole sense of goodwill on the delivery itself. Yeah, I think I think I you know I think you know I think you know what I'm talking about. Uh, like there was a, there was this company that uh, that uh, was uh, called Dynamics, and I intentionally called them Dynamex because it irritated them. But see, what irritated <laughs> what irritated me is when I ordered a desk from Office Depot to be shipped to my townhouse when I moved to Las Vegas, and I cleared my entire day to sit there and wait for them to show up during their eight hour window. Uh-huh. I found out that I sat there all day only to be told that I told them from the other side of a locked gate that I wasn't home and refused and refused the delivery. Meanwhile, there was no gate. 
I was home and I had been calling asking if there was any prognosis on when the thing was going to show up. I ended up getting the desk for free, by the way. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Di- uh, that This company, uh, Dynamex, and I, again, I called them out on purpose just to yank their chain, uh, was the company behind this whole thing with the legislation with gig workers that some entrepreneurs are now fearful is going to essentially destroy the idea of an independent contractor and force everybody to become employees. Mm-hmm. So between so between their reputation and their press, they've changed their name to another, they've changed their name, but then I find out that the same company is behind several of the deliveries I never got. The times when I ordered Avaderm natural wet food for my for my cats and that didn't show up the day it was supposed to uh, other things I've ordered that didn't show up on time and finding out that, for example, this thing about wasn't even an isolated incident. Uh, I have all my mail and ship goods go to a UPS store and I can, I think I'm on to my second set of fingers on my second hand right now of the number of times they claim that, well, we went to the location and nobody was there during the UPS store's business hours. And that's an awful experience. Yeah. So they, so I think where I'm going with this is I don't think some of the expectations that are put on companies like this, where they're able to do the supposed same day delivery, then they're given ridiculous rush times to get through their quota and sometimes they find themselves having about three seconds to try and figure out what's going on. And if they can't do it within three seconds, they just mark it as, yep, wasn't there, yep, closed, yep, refuse delivery, and just drive off. Yeah. Yeah, I think the you know operative word there is expectations. And uh-huh. the failure to set something reasonable with the customer. I think same day, that's very difficult. We've all heard about this issue of last mile delivery and how Uh challenging that is to fulfill and to scale and to be profitable. Yeah, it's very, it's very tough. And, Mm -hmm. and having looked into it holistically and altruistically, that's what I've come up with is the, you're dealing with Ironically, you're dealing with drivers who are independent contractors. That's the biggest irony of all. And then you find out that they're not given the resources, they're not given the data, and they're not even given the time. Yeah. So what are they what are they supposed what are they supposed to do? When I finally did get that desk brought to me that I'd ordered from Office Depot, they sent it in a truck with one delivery person. This thing in its box weighed about 150 pounds. Oh, and, the, and, the guy, and the guy was wearing a, a brace and had a severe back injury. And when, and when he, and he told me, and this is one of their supposed employees telling me this, he said that, I mean, he pointed out the obvious. He was supposed to bring out this desk to me and it weighed this much. And he had a back injury and was wearing a back brace. And apparently his supervisor, who was the same person I had spoken with over the telephone, who I uh, love saying Dynamex to just to mess with them. <laughs> but, uh, but apparently he told the guy, I said, well, um, you can either deliver the desk or you can deliver your ass home because I'll fire you if you don't do it. Oh, my God. Wow. What a great work environment. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that's unrealistic even, you know, for someone who's fit, like that's it's an awkward size. It's heavy. It's just. Oh, oh, they're, they're terrible. 
Yeah. Very, I mean, if you've ever tried to lift the, the this furniture that they put in boxes, they put the whole thing in one big, long box. You have all this wood compressed within a very small area. So you have the gathering of mass. That thing's, thing's going to be like lifting lifting a wheelbarrow full of bricks, except, yeah. ex- except it doesn't even have handles on it. Yeah. It's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So what we, so I know this is a little bit of a different conversation. You may be used to Laura, but what I'm doing here is I wanted to take this opportunity to surface uh, and be the voice of some of the folks who have complaints about the whole idea of working with local businesses and some of the things that go into the expectations from a local business. And you brought up the idea of convenience. I think convenience is great. Mm -hmm. However, I think it's gone to the point where it's the best analogy I know how to, the best analogy I know how to give to explain the level of slack that I think businesses are getting because of expectations that we just spent five minutes unraveling the unrealisticness of is let's say you go into a fast food restaurant and God forbid that they don't have your order finished before you place the order. (laughs) Yeah. That's the level of expectations when it comes to things. Now, at the same time, I know what it's like to go on a shopping trip and not want to come home empty handed. Mm -hmm. So with all that, let's shift our gears a little bit here. And what I want to know is from you is in light of some of the challenges we see and some of the opportunities we revealed, what, which industries or companies can local businesses learn from when it comes to improving all this stuff? I think there are a lot of different industries we can learn from large and small. I think the ones that do the best are the ones that set expectations properly and have kind of the modern tools and technologies that people prefer to interact with. Um, like for example, right. Um, I'm a Comcast customer, but okay. there's zero chance I'm going to call them unless I absolutely have to. <laughs> and I will do anything to stay away from that phone tree, right? Like, uh-huh. so I will use their online chat to, you know, get a quick question resolved to get to the root of the issue, whatever the case may be you know, in my interactions with that company. Right. Um, I still know it's going to be a bit of a hassle. It's, it's no one's favorite customer service experience dealing with any kind of utility or service like that. There's (laughs) no competition. You're you're, you're telling me. And I think that not to interject here, but I think, I think part of that is by design. It's Uh actually easier to keep paying for something you don't use than go through the, the phone calls. And I also think that some companies just make it ridiculous. Years and years ago, I had Vonage and they're actually a good company. I like the service. Then I moved. And as part of the move, I ended up in somebody else's monopolized area. As far as internet service, the internet service was much better, which then supported me being able to use VoIP applications like Ring Central or mm-hmm. Skype that didn't require a separate subscription. So I canceled my Vonage and I told them, I love your service. If 
I know of anybody who needs a service like yours. I'm going to put yours number one with a bullet and say, this is great. You should try them. But I just don't need it because I've moved. Mm-hmm. And boy, did they want to fight me on that one. At one point, you had the person I was speaking with saying, yeah, you know, tell me about this new company you work with, and I will put their chart right next to ours, and I will show you point by point why you should work with us. And I said, I moved. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you hear these stories on Reddit about how, like you mentioned Comcast, and there are certain areas in the United States where Comcast essentially has a monopoly. And there are some areas where Comcast doesn't operate at all. And you Mm -hmm. hear these stories about people moving out of Comcast areas and then having Comcast. And the the same could be said about Cox or, or the Verizon service and some of the others where they'll actually argue with you about why you should keep their service, even though you've moved to a place where they don't work. So wild. Yeah, it's like it's like what do you believe? I don't know. That is absolutely nuts. Yeah. So, yeah, always people are going in expecting a horrible experience, but if there is a an easier route to take, such as dealing with the web chat versus calling someone, uh-huh. You know, a discerning individual will will take the technology route. You know, people like that oh, yeah. multitask. They don't have to sit on the phone. There's no phone tree. It's yeah, a lot more passive. I'll tell you. I'll tell you something that uh, I live in Cox territory. I'll tell you something that they do have pretty much worked out most of the time. Mm-hmm. Is if there's an if there's an outage, they'll immediately change their grading. Huh. You know, you know what it's like to have an outage in your area. Yeah. And attempt to call just to find out what an ETA is there to report it and spend mm-hmm. 25 minutes in that phone tree. It's terrible. Yeah. And yet that's information they can use, right? Like you would think they'd want that as quickly as possible in order right. to diagnose and solve the problem. I would think so. Yeah. So it's, and again, I think one of the biggest challenges that we have when it comes to local business marketing is aside from what I think of as sometimes the hit or miss nature of how local businesses handle their customer relations and handle their processes. There's also the effort by large corporations, national corporations and global corporations to beat them on lowest common denominator metrics. Like like your local business they have a they have a toaster sitting right there on a the shelf you can go buy right now. Oh, oh, but uh, this other company they can ship you a toaster that you pick up that you picked out online, and uh, I know and yeah, you're three hours in the distribution center, but they will give it to somebody at the distribution center and tell them they have twenty minutes to get it to you. Hmm. Yeah. And yeah. what happens is you have folks who then buy into those expectations like well but but so-and-so said that they could have it to me in 20 minutes why would i why would i drive down to the local store even though they have that toaster for me yeah that's it's tough in the consumer goods markets but there are so many other types of businesses out there that need a local solution or service provider right yeah 
where like, you know, a local provider say, if I have a leaky roof, um, I'm probably not going to call some nationwide provider. There are some conglomerates out there that have locations in many areas yeah. and can solve that problem. But, um, you know, I want to do work with someone who knows my area, who does good work locally, maybe has expertise in hail, for example, where there's a lot of in, in my area, things yeah. like where I think people are trying to consciously choose the local entrepreneur over the Amazons of the world. Right. I personally like more local businesses. I like to support <laughs> my local economy. Exactly. Sometimes we do also find it advantageous to deal with the Amazons of the world or the large conglomerates of the world. I believe that everybody serves their purpose. Uh-huh. Yeah. So overall, overall, uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation here today. I know it's come across as a bit of a, a great fest, but I wanted to share something for our listeners and also for you, Laura, as a podcast host, as a, as a podcast host, um, I am your voice. I am the voice of those who follow our show. And what we find is folks will have situations in their lives that may not be exactly their finest hour, or they may have feelings or thoughts about something that they are not comfortable expressing. Now, because they feel bashful about sharing for whatever reasons that may involve pride or shame, they not only do not get that out of their system, but they also are denied the ability to process it and grow from it. Mm -hmm. So when I share these things, Folks can turn without having to say it out loud and say, oh, yeah, I, I know what you mean. I've had that happen to me, too. Oh, oh, you think uh, you think having a, a menu thrown at you is bad. You should have seen this thing that happened to me at, uh, at Denny's this one time. OK. Anyway, they can stand beside me and enjoy the learning and the growth that comes from me able to process, being able to process it vicariously. Uh -huh. And when it comes to things like searching for and evaluating local businesses, isn't this just a pip sometimes for people to deal with? <laughs> it is, but you know, I think. So how do you say, how do you help? Uh, what is, how does signpost solve this? So our motto is that we help businesses get found and then respond first. So yeah. our certain, you know, we are a software platform um, where we help, you know, businesses engage their customer base, get that great feedback online. But we know that that's not enough. Like a good reputation these days is table stakes for many local businesses. And, you know, they need to worry about the next step when it comes to winning more business. So our tools both software and we also have a live receptionist service. So I'll call that our managed service. Um, help businesses pick up the phone, help automate responses when you know someone sends in information and the business isn't available to either answer the phone or respond to a home advisor lead, whatever the case may be. That's where certain automations from platforms like Signpost can be really helpful. Yeah. Great. So I would encourage everybody to 
Discover more about this by visiting signpost.com. That's signpost.com. And you can discover more about how all this works, uh, the various solutions and products. And basically what it has to do are using different modalities to communicate with your clients, with your prospects in a way that can be instantaneous, that can be simple, that can help you build those relationships that are necessary to transform more of your local prospects into more of your local customers. So again, signpost.com. And with that, Laura Nelson, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me in education. Thank you so much, Adam. I appreciate it. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.